we just talk about what just happened? We have a intro slash theme song. Woo! We have an intro. We have an intro. So we all knew that our podcast needed something extra, a little music element. Alex had the genius idea of going to my cousin, Annie. Shout out to Annie, who's like a cello prodigy. And she's in high school, and she's wonderful. And I we asked her if she would so kindly write us a little piece and record it. All we gave her was that it had to be creepy, and I think she did a great job. Yeah, she did. I think we. I think she did do a good job. Um, hopefully, you guys thought so also. It's really exciting to have, a, for one, an intro song, and to have you know a member of our fa- my family add something to it and she was super excited and we're very excited so thank you annie um i think she listens to this podcast hopefully she does now if not you guys can pester her into it enter listening but really legit don't be surprised if someday she's a famous cellist she's headed that way like girls played with yo-yo ma and this isn't a joke that's real so so you could argue she already is she's legit she's been on tour She's a rock star. All my family is rock stars, but we really appreciate it. And it adds something to our podcast for sure. So, woo! So I'm bummed because I didn't want to drink red wine tonight. Alex and I had the stomach flu. It was super great. We had an early St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it was really fun. We had a great time. Actually, uh, a lot of people thought this was funny, but so Alex got sick and was having stomach issues. And then Callisto, our cat, in case you don't know, she got stressed out and then she started throwing up and then I got sick. So our whole house was sick. But anyway, because of that, I didn't want to drink red wine just because it's a little heavy for my stomach, so I decided to go with cider. Listeners, I am gluten-free, not by choice, by endoscopy, so shout out to all those gluten-free listeners out there, which there may someday be lots of those, if you want tips or recipes, got you. But anyway, so I wanted a cider, and there's a brand of cider that I really love, a craft cider, and I'm not going to name them because I really love them. And I tried a new one of theirs today, and it was a mochi cider, which sounds kind of weird, and I was a little bit skeptical about. But it's from them, so I figured it must be amazing, and it was disgusting. And I had to pour it down the drain, which is not what you do with alcohol. I mean, the first, like, half second was okay and then it got to cherry cough syrup no it was all bad it was just so bad and i'm really sad because they're not cheap cider is not cheap for gluten-free people you know that if your only option is cider it's expensive so pouring down a four dollar drink down the drain i hate it but now you are basically drinking wine Yeah, I don't drink sugary ciders, so the drier the better, and this one basically tastes like champagne, which, you know, adds to the class that I have going on in class. Cat glass. (laughs) How often do you think I should say the cat glass after class before listeners know I'm talking about the class? Probably the first ten. Ten, got it. Actually, my sister was like... Until we have multiples of... 20 of listeners we do have multiples with 20 of listeners Um, more than two multiples 20 okay okay well my sister was like why haven't you posted that picture of your class on instagram yet you said you would do that in episode two and i didn't think that we had enough followers um i can do that but she was like why didn't you post a picture of where's the class and i was like where's the class and she's like yeah, the class. And I was like, what are you, what class? And she was like, the cat class. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I didn't know what you're talking about. And you did that like a minute ago. <laughs> I pulled out a glass of the cabinet and you're like, no, I'm drinking out of the class. Yeah. Anyway, anything new this week? Got a job. Woo, 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 woo. 
Three months of unemployment. Almost officially over. What are you going to do? We're working at a brewery. Dope. We like alcohol in this household. Fun fact, we went to go get our cider slash beer today for our episode recording. And the cashier recognized Alex. It was great. Yep, you made him blush. I made him blush because I laughed at him pointing out the fact that Alex was there all the time. I'm a casual alcoholic. No. We just try so many new six-packs of mixed things. Anyway. Anything new with you? Uh, besides the stomach flu? Maybe they get solid foods. Yeah, I can eat again. So that's great. I'm pretty excited. Uh, no. You know, I'm pretty excited about you having a job, too. I was thinking about this the other day. If for whatever reason, somebody ever decides to, like, go after our landlord, they're most certainly coming after us, too. Why? Because if they shoot our landlord, there's no way we don't hear that and we're witnesses. That's a weird, weird, now you're thinking like someone who does a true crime podcast. Yeah. I mean, I was carrying my keys in between my knuckles the other day because I saw, I heard a leaf cross the parking lot and I was like, oh no, it's now, oh shoot, that was really loud. I was like, oh gosh, tonight's the night. No, but, oh my gosh, I have something to talk about. Um, you want to know something that's super creepy? So I work nights. And I have to go down through this parking lot to get to my car. And it's like 1.30 in the morning or whatever. Every Wednesday, there is a truck parked in the parking lot with its windows rolled down completely. Doesn't matter the weather. It's cold in Ithaca. And the music is playing and I don't see anybody in the truck. I should carry a mace around. It's so weird. I've thought about calling the police. My parents are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, you can't do it. I don't know that Mace is legal in New York, so don't carry that around. I don't think it's technically even Mace. It was purchased in Florida, so it's legal there and probably (laughs) illegal here. So Everything's legal in Florida. But yeah, I never know if I should be like, hello, police. There's a weird truck that plays music with both of the windows all the way down. Every night, every Wednesday night at one thirty. Is it a makeout truck? Is it a weed truck? Is it just some weird person? They've probably seen Titanic and don't want to handprint on the inside of their their truck windows. Maybe. It's bizarre. It's really strange. So I guess I have a reason to carry my keys in between my fingers, although I don't think that really works well. Yeah, I don't think they suggest you do that anymore. (laughs) Along with, like, parts of uh, the Heimlich. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know a story? Sure. Let's get into it. All right. So, I did back-to-back cereals. And What kind of cereals? Like... It's only Chex because that's literally, like, the only gluten-free cereal they have in the aisle. My life has now become squares of checks. Grape nuts? It's got gluten in it. Oh. Yeah. There's only so much checks a girl can eat. And, yeah. So, I've done cereals the past two episodes. And this time, it is not a cereal. This week, I'm going to be talking about the murder of Amy Robinson. So, the murder of Amy Robinson takes place in Texas. This murder actually is kind of relevant in this day and age. We've got some similar ideals happening in our country these days as to what was happening during this time. Trying to build a wall? Uh, no. Similar kind of sentiment, though. We're talking about white supremacy. Yeah. No, that's not an actual... Anyway. So now we got our we got our title for the episode. White supremacy, yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh gosh. So besides focusing on our victim Amy Robinson, our story takes place around two friends. Their names are Robert Neville Jr. and Michael Wayne Hall. 
Robert Neville Jr. was born October 5, 1974 in Texas. As a juvenile, he was prosecuted for molesting three children. He molested an 11-year-old girl, a 9-year-old boy, and a 7-year-old boy. So he's got a background. He also had the tried-and-true history of abusing animals. At 14, he threw a few kittens off of a roof and killed them. Hmm. So, like, the uh, not-so-nice version of exploding kittens. And then at 16, he tied a cat to a tree like a piñata by its tail and hit it over and over with a pole. Until it split open or until it just died? Just until, I, you know, it actually it didn't say. I'd like to think until it died, but that probably wouldn't take very long, so who knows. And it did say he hit it, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, he was fired from his job for making fun of people with disabilities and for refusing to bag groceries for minorities. His friend, Michael Wayne Hall, was born April 6, 1979, so that's like a five-year age difference-ish, and he had no previous records at all. He did have a low intelligence level for his age. He had difficulty in school performing simple tasks, such as counting change, And his writing and math skills as an adult were at an elementary school level. Uh, He had a fascination with white supremacy, as did Neville, and he complained about having, quote, a sucky-ass life. As most white men do. Yeah, well, also, Michael Wayne Hall and Robert Neville both met at Kroger. Mm -hmm. They were working there. So I could see maybe... Grounds for having a, quote, sucky-ass life. Also, that was where Robert Neville got fired from as a bagger. It was from Kroger. I mean, they are working at Kroger. They're not working at Wegmans. It's true. So It's true. Wegmans is one of the company, the greatest companies in the U.S. Like, it's rated really high on that. So they met at Kroger, and they became fast friends because they both had a real fascination with white supremacy. And... That was something they had in common. So one night, Neville and Hall, I'm going to just refer to them by their last names from here on out. Neville and Hall meet up and are hanging out in Neville's grandmother's house, like you do. And they're just drinking and having a good time. And they just bring up the idea of, hey, what if, what if you just killed someone? Like, I mean, it's casual. Sure. I mean, I can't say for sure but i'm sure that's probably come up at some point during like my guy sleepovers or guy hangouts i don't know what happens at those guys sleepovers and hangouts it's that's not what i talked about in my sleepovers but they're just like what if we killed someone neville said in particular that he would like to just go out and kill somebody he he was like really into this idea and hall was like well why don't we just go purchase guns and ammunition so they're kind of drunk and they just randomly shoot out this idea and find that both of them are really into it. So they go both purchase 22 rifles and practice their shooting skills. And they also start discussing the plan of being serial killers that target minorities. Neville, when he confessed later in life, said that he and Hall had a bet to see who would be able to kill the most people as long as they weren't white. In particular, they said they wanted to, quote, Kill blacks or Mexicans, anybody as long as they weren't our color. So were they a group serial killer or were they going to be like competing serial killers like Dexter and his brother? I think when they first started the idea, they were just going to do it together. And then I think they were just, I think they would consider themselves a group, but not necessarily do them all together. Maybe some together, maybe some not, but they were just like, Keep, they wanted to keep a tally on how many people they had murdered, which is quite a game. Mm-hmm. So they both are really, really into this. They've been practicing their shooting, things like that. And then they actually go and pick their first victim, which they're going to, they plan on killing together. And their first victim was going to be a black man that they used to work with at Kroger before they both got fired for being lazy and for not bagging for minorities and making fun of people with disabilities. So not their boss or anything, just a coworker. Well, their boss was white. 
they said they would never kill anybody who was white. Okay. Yeah, no. So they were going to pick out this black man. So, I mean, these guys are, like, really moving. Like, they went from friends to just both fired to hanging out at your grandma's house to buying ammo and shooting. And now they have a plan, and then they actually start to go out. So on February 9th, uh, the <laughs> on February 9th, on February 15th, 1998, the two of them decide to act on their fantasy. They learn that their victim that they wanted to target was not working that day. So they planned for the day mm -hmm. and then found out that he wasn't working. I mean, they don't know everyone's schedule. They're fired. But they learned from like a mutual friend that he wasn't working that day. So they decided on a different victim. The victim that they ended up choosing was Amy Robinson. Amy was 19 years old, and she worked there as a bagger. She wanted to go to college, and ultimately she wanted to be a teacher, but she was pretty far away from that because she was born with Turner's Syndrome. Have you heard of Turner's Syndrome? No. Okay. Well, I did research into that. I had heard it before, and we probably learned about it in genetics class in college, since we're both science backgrounds. Uh, Turner syndrome is a chromosomal condition that affects female development, so it's in the sex chromosomes, and it results in short stature, loss of ovarian function, heart defects, swelling of the hands and feet, etc. And most have normal intelligence as they grow up, however, some don't, and Amy Robinson, at age 19, had the mental capacity of, like, a 13 or 14-year-old. So she was a little bit developmentally delayed. So she was at the age where she'd be going to college, but she wasn't quite there and quite ready to go. But she did have plans to go to college, and she really wanted to be a teacher. Okay. She was also starting to learn to live on her own. This was her very first job. She was kind of, you know, getting prepared to go to college. She was taking care of herself as much as she could. Um, she was very trusting and social, and something that Hall and Neville knew, besides that she was, like, very social and mm -hmm. easy to talk to, was that she also rode her bike to work. So, after learning that their original target was working, they had chosen her, and they chose her for two different reasons. One was that she was also part Native American, so they... If it's the, the not white criteria, so that it, it had to be somebody yeah, yeah. that wasn't totally white. So she was part Native American, and also she had this genetic condition, which made her different than anybody else that worked at Kroger, and it was made her an easy target. In an interview, Hall said that they chose Amy. Quote, because I didn't have to put bruises on her to get her in the car. So they're preying on the fact that she's thinks the best of people yeah. and knows these men mm -hmm. and trusts them. So that's pretty messed up. So the two are in their car and they're waiting on part of her bike route, which they know since they worked with her for a while and they were kind of friends. And... When she passes by, they offer to give her a ride to work. And, of course, she says yes. At this point, she didn't even realize that they were recently fired so that she didn't realize that they didn't work with her anymore. Okay. So she thinks, oh, this, this makes total sense. So she says yes and just hops in the car. And then they drive to a remote area and stop. And this is where... They pretend to have a flat tire. She, again, doesn't realize that anything is really wrong. I mean, not to say that even if anyone else was in that situation, you might not necessarily realize that they do have a, or don't have a flat tire if you were a passenger in the car. Right. Well, she hasn't, it hasn't real, dawned on her that this isn't the right route. She probably knows her bike route really well and might not know the best car route yeah. since she only rides her bike so they're off the track to Kroger 
by a lot, but... Um, so they get out, both of them, and they get weapons from the back of the car, and they walk over to it. uh, Neville walks over to a tree to just put the weapons over there while Hall hangs out by the truck. And then Hall says that Neville needs help over by the tree, has her get out of the car and walk towards him. At this point, Neville shoots at her with a crossbow, but he didn't actually hit her. It just grazed past her leg and she completely panics. And she tries to run back to the car, but Hall also has a gun back there. And it's uh, it's a pellet gun. Is that like a BB gun? Yeah, just like kind of like a cone with a flat bit on the front of it. Oh, so he has a pellet gun. He starts shooting her and she goes down and he continues to shoot her. Neville comes back and she's on the ground and the when they were interviewed later, they said that the last thing that she said was that she was crying out Neville's name because she didn't from their understanding, she didn't understand what was going on because she didn't she was confused as to why they would do this because she thought they were good friends of yeah. his. I mean, they were good friends of hers. So she's crying out, and they realize that this can't happen. They are in a remote area, but they still can't have her. You never know who might hear or be around. Right, and they're just shooting her with a pellet gun. So Neville shoots her in the head and kills her. At least, hopefully, that was quick. I don't know. Yeah, I, who's to say? Yeah. So they leave her in the field and drive away. And everyone starts looking for them. You know, her her family is freaked out. It's not like her to not come to work. She's really dedicated to this. She really wants to do well. She's responsible and tells people where she is. And everyone's worried about her. So they start looking for her. And... At this point, the two men think, well, maybe we missed an opportunity to have robbed her. So they go back. That's always a smart idea, returning to the scene. Well, they go back, and returning to the scene isn't actually what does them in. But they go back, and they take a little bit of cash from her, and this is like... I mean, all of this is awful, right? But they then use her body as target practice. So they, like, set it up and use it for a firing range, which is really sad. I mean, all of it is so sad. Mm -hmm. But going back, robbing her after the fact, and then just, like, spending time for fun. I mean, they weren't concerned with being discovered i guess necessarily at that point or no no they weren't and i guess they had no reason to be because them being at that site had nothing to do with them being caught Mm -hmm. after they're done using her body for target practice they both go back home and hall does the stupidest thing he could do brags about it yeah so he brags at a bar not at a bar he brags to his stepbrother so he brags to his stepbrother about what he has done, and the stepbrother's like, um... You can't do that. That's illegal. Well, we don't know how old the stepbrother is. Well, you can't kill people. That's illegal. I know, but you acted like he was like an eight-year-old. <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but he was... Uh, he was like, uh, what? So he goes to the police. Good job. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. And the two men try to flee across the Mexican border, which is where the wall would have helped. <laughs> no, just kidding. The wall will never help. But um, they get stopped by the police at the border, and they get arrested on March 3rd, and they go to jail. Neville's defense tries to get him out of the death penalty that he has come in his way, on grounds that he had a mental condition brought on by lupus, which I didn't even know was a thing. I just associate lupus with house. 
It's always lupus. I'm just aware of lupus. I don't actually know what lupus does to you. It's never actually lupus in House until it is, and then it's lupus. Did you ever watch House? Some of it. Oh, it's a good show. Um, so he's his defense tried to argue that he had a mental condition. However, when he asked if he had any remorse, he laughed and said, quote, I wouldn't want to be her. She had to take a lot of pain. So he kind of screwed himself on the mental defense there. He was like, no, I don't have any remorse. Mm-hmm. I know what I did. I just wouldn't want to be there. So that didn't really work. And then Hall's lawyer tried to get him out of the death death penalty by arguing that he did not have the mental capacity to know what he was doing. So this is going back to when I first told you that um, as like a youth, Hall kind of didn't have as higher intellectual capabilities as his fellow students and everything like that. So Hall's lawyer was like, he, you know, he's not smart enough. He doesn't, he doesn't know what he's doing. I thought he would go with, uh, try to pin it on the guy that actually committed the murder and say that he was coerced. Or... Yeah, right. Yeah, so he said he, he, his defense attorney said that he was going along with Neville and that he was totally taken advantage of, like you said. And unfortunately, nobody from his past, present, would testify to him. As a character witness or whatever? No, they just wouldn't, they would testify, but they would testify that they don't, they never saw any, okay. any evidence that he had any different mental capacity, that he was lazy or that, you know, he was not determined because there were aspects of his life that he really cared about. Mm-hmm. For example, they said he was really into video games. Pong, maybe. I don't know. Well, for things that he really cared about, he was really diligent in. And he would really try hard and focus and was could exceed at. And then things like bagging groceries, he was lazy and didn't care. And So nobody would testify to him having a limited mental capacity. He also bragged about the murder and he bragged about how good it felt to watch her die. Um, one prosecutor said, quote, he talked about the killing of this young woman the way a kid might talk about having the toughest football team. So he's totally going against that defense, too, because Mm -hmm. he's not being taken advantage of. On March 24th, 1998, so this is like 20 days after they get caught, both of them were indicted for capital murder. And then there's a kind of a different timeline for how the two move from there. Starting with Neville, whose timeline is pretty self-straightforward. So on March 24th, 1998, like I said, they were indicted. And then on December 4th, 1998, Neville was found guilty of capital murder. He also then received the death penalty on December 9th. He actually tried to challenge the ruling four times, but was turned down again and again and again and again. So he got the death penalty and it stuck with him. On February 17th, 2000. So this guy was just sitting in. No, this is about, this is Hall. Oh, okay. Sorry. For Hall, on February 17th, 2000, so this is two years later, he was found guilty of capital murder. And this is where it gets kind of complicated. So the reason it took so long is because they were really trying to figure out with Hall whether or not he could be held accountable. Because one, he didn't actually pull the trigger for the head shot. Yeah. And two, there was a whole deal with the mental capacity. So it took a while. He finally got his ruling of guilty. And on February 23rd, he was given the death penalty. However, two years after that, he filed for habeas corpus. So like... Law. Words. I know. I looked it up, too. It was just, like, um, basically the upturning of a, a ruling because you feel like there was something unconstitutional or unjust about okay. what happened in the court. Originally, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals said no to his filing, but later that year, there was a really important case that made it come back. This case was Atkins versus Virginia in 2002, and... 
this case decided that there would be no death penalty for people with intellectual disabilities, which I didn't know that was a thing. So he's already been given the death penalty. They've used that as an argument, and he's trying to go back to it, uh, even though he kind of had that awash before. Mm -hmm. So he, because his attorneys originally argued that he had mental disabilities, they had to re-examine it under that new ruling. On February 20th, February 2003, so this is a year later, and they've already gone back through it and reevaluated it. They denied the habeas corpus ruling. They didn't think that there was enough evidence for it to be, to hold up. Okay. And then three years after that, in 2006, he tries to petition to go from Texas court to federal court for a habeas corpus. So he's trying to take it to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And that is denied. Three years after that, and I'll give you just like a brief rundown after this. 2009? 2009, it is determined by psychiatric and professional staff that he does not have an intellectual disability at all. They they determine this. this they have spoken to many people, many experts. They're just like, listen, no, stop. This isn't it. So... <laughs> they got caught in 1998, right? They both get indicted that March. 2000, he's found guilty. 2002, he files for habeas corpus, round one. 2003, they deny it. 2006, he tries it again. 2009, they deny it again. Boom. Boom. So they both are in jail. They both have the death penalty. And Neville was executed February 8th, 2006. Amy's mother and sisters came to both executions. And before dying, Neville said, I hope you can find it in yourselves to forgive me. And I hope all this here will kind of settle your pain. I just want you to know I'm very sorry for what I have done. If I see Amy on the other side, I will tell her how much you love her and miss her. And we will have a lot to talk about. So he it seemed like he was genuine. He was mark. crying when he was saying it, and then he turned and apologized to his parents profusely as well. And then he got the lethal injection. I don't know. He was, I mean, obviously a disturbed kid. This is the one with the throwing the kittens off the roof yeah, and yeah. everything. So he was disturbed, and he had a lot going on, and it's really messed up. That being said, I don't think that it's impossible for people to repent and change to realize they did something wrong, but it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that he did it. Yeah. Yep. Hall, on the other hand, after all of his trials and tribulations was executed on February 15th, 2011, which way back in the beginning, not in the beginning, but a little bit back. That was the day that they killed Amy, actually, February 15th. So it was... Interesting. Yeah, so he was executed on the same day. What was the year difference there? Uh, 1998. Yeah, 1998 to 2011. 13? Math. 13, yeah. Yep. Lucky number 13. 13 years later, yeah, he's executed. And his last words were, I would like to give my sincere apology to Amy's family. We caused a lot of heartache, grief, pain, and suffering, and I'm sorry. I wish I could take it back, but I can't. And at the execution, one of the sisters told a reporter that they were glad that the execution was on February 15th because it turned a bad day into a good day. (laughs) Which, (laughs) that's, I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna. Um... Also, fun fact, this guy's last meal was crazy bananas. His last meal was chicken cooked three ways, pizza, brownies, sweet tea, milk, and vanilla pudding. How much can you ask for? Did he actually eat it all? I, I, I like to think not. But how much can you ask for? 
I don't know that there is a limit. I just know that if you don't ask for anything, you just get black coffee. Really? Or do you think that's a urban legend? I thought I was... I can't remember who it was. I think I was reading a story on a killer that they didn't ask for anything and they just got black coffee as their final meal. Hmm. Did Eileen just get black coffee? Yeah, but I don't... She didn't ask for anything, I don't think. I don't think so either, but... I don't know. I don't know. Alex, you brought up a good point earlier in the day about last meals. Um, I was just wondering, can you request something that you are, like, deathly allergic to? Like, if you're deathly allergic to, like, seafood or peanut butter, could you request, like, a peanut butter or jelly sandwich or, like, lobster? So you can take your own life. Yeah. Would the, does the prison system allow that? Yeah. And I was, I was thinking, I don't know. Some guards... Maybe, and then they'll let you suffer through that for a little bit before EpiPenning you back? Yeah, I'm assuming they'd probably EpiPen you pretty fast. Because they don't want you to go that way. But I don't know. They might also That would save, you... the, save the American taxpayer. <laughs> save the Americans. Taxpaying money, yeah. Um, I also think that maybe... It's probably on a medical chart, and they probably would look at that. I don't know. If you happen to know the answer to that, let us know. Tweet us. Yeah, tweet us. Tweet us at Sad Tales Podcast. Let us know if you know the answer to that question. Um, one thing that did come of this is that Amy's grandmother, Carolyn, was unhappy with how the case was treated. She thought that the media focused too much on the men and not enough on Amy, so she actually didn't go to any of the executions. Instead, she went to the field where Amy had died. In Native American beliefs, they say that when a person dies, the location where they die is where their spirit leaves their body, and therefore that land becomes sacred. So she put a cross marking the location of Amy's death and went and visited it multiple times. Interestingly enough, people started to add crosses to it. So people would start bringing crosses to that same location, and each cross represented a life taken from violence. A lot of them were lives of children that were taken from brutal violence, and they would put crosses there in honor of their kids or their friends or anything like that. And the crosses became more than 160. And now it's called the Garden of Angels, our Garden of Angels. It's located in Grand Prairie, Texas, and you can go and visit. They've turned it into a really nice, kind of like a cemetery. Like, they've added benches and walkways and things like that. You can, can you still place crosses there? I don't know. The reason I don't know is their website hasn't been updated since, like, 2005 or 6 or something like that. Um, I do know that they do take like donations and things like that and I assume you might be able to still put crosses there. It, I think it would go against what kind of what Carolyn wanted if you can't. I don't know. Okay. But I do know that you can go and you know remember people who have died from tragedies and it's pretty amazing that you know, this was a really tragic thing to have happened to this young girl, but it became sort of a beautiful way for people to come together from all over and remember people that they've lost and to bond through that. So it's pretty amazing. And I have, have a lot of respect for her grandmother for recognizing that that was what was important from all of this and that it was just a way for victims to be remembered and acknowledged so that is my story about the murder of amy robinson okay you did good you were able to talk about uh you know she wanted to be a school teacher and she had this like i guess happy-go-lucky girl yeah that... <laughs> yeah when right before we started recording i'm gonna be candid about this i turned to alex and i was like I feel really sad 
all of a sudden. And he was like, what's up? And I was like, her grandmother, her main point was that the men got too much say in these things. They got too much media coverage. And I was worried that I did the same thing. And I tried to, you know, talk about her personality and delve into the disease that, I mean, the condition that she suffered from. And I tried to do her justice and, you know, talk about our Garden of Angels, which is a beautiful project. But I think that she's right. I think that something that we, I need to keep in mind moving forward and I think people need to remember is that the important part is that you remember and learn about the victims too. And so often it's overlooked and the murderers and the perpetrators are just plastered all over the media and they get so much attention and you almost, I mean, everyone knows Ted Bundy. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's the entire world, but I know America just has a fast fascination with killers, serial killers. Well, especially. right, and we're doing this, so obviously yeah. we share that. And I'm not saying it's not okay. I just I know that moving forward, I'm gonna try to do as much research into the victims as possible, so that I can at least give a little bit of backstory. Not a t- like for serials, it can't be everything because our podcast would go on forever. Mm-hmm. But it is a good point. Like, everyone knows Ted Bundy. How many people can name a victim of his? I can't. It's something to think about. Yeah, for sure. Really bringing us down. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. There we go. There we go. That was almost a problem. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. When we almost overwrote the entire first half. You ready for a story? I'm always ready for a story. All right. In 2000, the body of Darius Yanishevsky. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, we're not in uh, America, if you could guess by that name. Well, we're in a melting pot here. And we're not talking about the restaurant. Uh, the body of Darius Janoszewski was discovered in a river roughly about roughly 60 miles from his home in uh, Wrocław. What? Wrocław. So W-R-O-C-L-A-W. This is in Poland. Oh. Somehow those letters make Wrocław. You should know. You're part Polish. Yeah, I am. But not enough to know Wrocław. No, or how to just look at Darius's last name and know how to pronounce it just instinctively. Well, kudos to you for trying to get the pronunciation right. I'd be like, fur, 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 fur. Uh, Darius's body, when it was pulled out of the river, it had been stripped, had signs of torture and being starved before he was dumped in the river. There is some disagreement among the uh, medical examiners that examined his body as to whether he was killed before he went in or whether he drowned in the river. And that is because when his body was discovered, there was a noose around his neck, with, which was tied to his arms that were behind his back oh. in such a way so that any struggle would have tightened the noose around his neck. Oh my gosh. So they, based on that, the MEs were unsure as to whether he had strangled before or was strangled to death before he went into the water or, before, right. or, you know, when he was in the water trying to get out. That just made me think of that scene in Aladdin where... I assure you, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, when a murderer reminds you of a Disney movie. That scene in Aladdin where he gets thrown into the water with a weight on his feet and his arms are tied behind his back. Like the, uh, like the mafia did back in the day. And Jeannie saves them. What? Pair of cement shoes. Like the mafia would stick like uh, snitches their feet in like a bucket of wet cement and they would hard and they would toss them in the river. Oh, right. Yeah, like that. Except in Disney. Uh, before his death, Darius had been the owner of a small advertising firm. Um, and before he was killed, he was uh, had been missing for about four weeks before he was discovered in the uh, in the river. Four weeks. Yeah. For a month, they had no idea where he was until he showed up in the dead in the river. Wow. And you said there were signs of 
torture. Yeah, the Emmys saw signs of torture and starvation. Yikes. So, so whoever had him, had him for a while. Yeah. Um, investigation into what killed him went on for a while, but after ultimately six months, uh, they couldn't find any more information and the case went cold. Really? And there was about no movement on that case for near five years. Five years. He had to sat in someone's desk for waiting for new leads to come in. And at that point, I, from what I understand, if a case doesn't get solved within six months to a year, it's it's probably going to go cold and probably be unsol- unsolved. Hmm. Uh, so five years in, two things happened that seemed like unconnected, but ended up ultimately being connected. Police received an anonymous tip about a book that was published in 2003 called Amok. Okay. And police were also able to locate Yanishevsky's phone. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you're going to explain. Oh, how- yeah, I'll get into okay, this. Okay, okay, okay. It's not like, hey, did you hear about Stephanie Meyer's new Twilight novel? Yeah. Oh, More my Edward God. binds and tortures a man and throws his <laughs> body in a river. <laughs> oh, gosh. Fifty Shades of Vampire Messed Up. So, Amok was written by Christian Bala. I'm sure I'm probably mispronouncing that somehow. That's okay. I mean, it's not, but it is, you know? Um, and the details that were, or it details a, a main character also named Chris. Ooh. So, you know, saw and thought of author saw himself a little bit in that, I guess, because he apparently would also go by Chris when he was out, like, promoting his book and doing other things out in the uh, non-Polish world. Right. Um, Chris got away with a murder in that book that he was never caught for. Stop it. Um, this book also, when it was released, was like just like an instant classic. People were just so enthralled by like the grittiness and the dark tones of it. And how realistic it was. I guess so, yeah. <gasps> I, I did not see any scripts from it. Wait, can you buy this book? Probably. Oh my goodness. It's probably in Polish. Hey. That's okay. There's Google Translate for that. There's Google Translate. I wouldn't want to do a whole book. Um, police ultimately would also notice some other similarities between the main character in the book and the author, such as drinking problems, run-ins with the law, and the character's pasts. And they both came from broken marriages. Okay, but those are pretty vague things. Yeah, they, they seem vague, but when you start narrowing it, it seems you get like more and more towards the suspect. Also, like... Is there a police officer book club in which they read crime books and they just like talk about it in a way where they're like, does this seem like a murderer or does this seem like the next James Patterson kind of situation? Maybe. I mean, you gotta have like deal with the brutality of police work somehow. So maybe there's some cooking classes and some book clubs and knitting circles. I hope so. (laughs) That's fascinating. So then I also mentioned police around 2005 were also able to locate records of Yanishevsky's phone. Right. Uh, that came about from a de- old one of the older detectives on the force. He was going through his desk and he just happened to come across a file with Yanishevsky's name on it. And it's like, let me give this some effort. Let's see what I can find like five years later now. And he was ultimately able to find uh, records that Yanishevsky's phone was sold on an online auction site. A couple days after his murder. Oh, they were... They just... the police, I guess the police never... They just overlooked that. Overlooked that fact, that crucial fact that four days after the guy was murdered, his phone was Who also sold it? online. Who needs it? So we're moving pretty quickly along here. If you if you can't tell already, I've already named uh, a guy in the, in the investigation. Mm. Um, so I mentioned the phone was sold online. Right. That account... Do you want any guesses? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Did Chris buy the phone? Or did he sell the phone? Chris did, in fact. Well, did he buy it and sell it? Allegedly, he, not allegedly, buy it. He allegedly sold sold it. The phone was sold from an account that was associated with Christian. Mm-hmm. Who's to say if he actually ever possessed it? He could have just been like told to sell this phone on his account. I don't know where it came from kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or I found this phone on the side of the road. It looked good conditions, yeah. so I sold it. But who bought it? Um, I never saw it. Oh, someone who just wanted a phone. Yeah, someone just wanted a phone. Oh, 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 oh. I thought maybe he like sold it. 
and then bought it under a different name or something. That'd be real weird to pay yourself for a phone you You wouldn't pay for it, but then you'd be like, I don't have it. I sold it. And you'd actually have, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Maybe like, here's concrete evidence of me not having it. Some person in Nebraska bought it. Yeah, for sure. Um, police also discovered that Kirsten Bala had had contact with the deceased the day of his disappearance. Mm. So things are starting to line up against Christian here. Right. So you may wonder why Christian had contact with this alleged nobody or this advertising agent that police couldn't find any record of or why he might know a guy even despite him being an art um like an author they thought maybe he could have used him as like a go-between or something to promote his books Mm -hmm. but they never found that um it ultimately came down to that christian was very jealous at least a lot of the papers said he was very jealous of his wife but what it really ended up being he was incredibly possessive of, of his wife and Yanoshevsky was possibly seeing his wife. So that probably would have thrown Christian into like a jealous rage or I guess in that sense, jealousy does make sense there. So does he, wait, did he, did they, did the wife ever say anything or did they just, the wife denied, they just trying to pin this on a man being jealous of his wife seeing another man or something? The wife denied ever knowing him. But police said they found record of her having like some sort of relationship with um, Darius. Got it. Um, yeah, prosecutors alleged that um, Janishevsky had been seeing Bala's estranged wife because at this point, um, Christian and his wife had separated, but he was still like, no one else can have her. I'm oh, gonna... they were separated. You never. Yeah. It. In a lot of the articles, some articles said his wife, and then some articles started saying his, like, estranged wife. Artic- other articles said his ex-wife. Okay. So they're all over the place. Okay. Um, and prosecutors were saying that Yanishevsky had been seeing Bala's wife, and that probably would have sent him into a fit of j- jealous rage that would have ultimately possibly led him to attack this man. Okay. Yeah, so like I mentioned, police had found evidence of... Christian using a phone card to contact Janice's work or Yanishevsky's work. <laughs> I, I, in my notes, I shortened it to Janice. <laughs> I was like, so I didn't have to write Yanishevsky over and over again. <laughs> it was Janice. Janice. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe that was the wife. In hindsight, I probably should have written <laughs> Darius instead of Janice, but that's where we are. <laughs> name for some reason like who's a janice really oh janice joplin mm. yep <laughs> yeah so police had found evidence that chris had bought a phone card so I th- i'm thinking one of those like dial into a number and you have like 60 minutes to then call to other places kind of cards oh not yeah. like a sim card for the phone he's trying to get rid of they just kept saying phone card. In my mind, it's one of those things, and it's probably more likely the SIM card. It was probably a SIM card. Probably. But I just, he just kept saying phone card. Oh. Um, so they called um, Darius's work and his cell phones. Oh, maybe not, though, if that's the context. And then Christian also then called his parents, and another article said his girlfriend, but that was the only ever time I saw a girl girlfriend mentioned. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with his estranged wife is who he called okay on that the day of the disappearance so he calls his... wait the disappearance yeah on the day of Yanishevsky's disappearance so wait Police... who's calling who chris calls Yanishevsky's work cell phone like work phone and his cell phone okay on the day uh... of the disappearance okay the four weeks prior to his body being found. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and he also called... Chris also called then his own parents and his girlfriend slash ex-wife is what I'm going with. Because that's the only other time I saw a girlfriend mentioned is in this one context. So police, with all this, all this evidence against um, Chris, bring him in. 
And in April 2006, during questioning by prosecutors, Christian allegedly confesses to killing him. Just like, I did it. And then immediately recants it. Says, no, I did not do any of that, what I just said. Oh. Then has a fainting spell. Oh. Did they at least provide a fainting couch? No. They don't have fainting couches in jail. However, I have... European jail, though. That's true. I have been in plenty of women's restrooms that still have couches, which I assume are for my fainting, since I am woman, faint of heart. Were they in clubs or were they in... No, like nice bathrooms. Clubs? What do you think I do? I knit and I have a cat and I sit in a fort making a podcast. I certainly am not clubbing. So, yeah, he faints after saying, I did it, I didn't do it. Uh, The doctors that were provided by the court uh, found nothing physically wrong with him that would have caused, led him to, you know, faint for no reason at all. Right. But upon, like, um, psychological evaluations they do on him during the court proceedings, they do find that he has um, sadistic tendencies. He also has, like, a need to be in command. I need to be, like, right all the time. Oh, he's got control issues? Yeah. He's like a Virgo on steroids? Yeah, I don't actually know when he was born. So it was possibly a Virgo. He needed to be right. He's a Virgo. Um, so, you know, court's going through. Um, and it lasts for about a year and a half. So in September 2007, I'm in the teens. So any number <laughs> that's not a teen is hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, September 2007, Christian is sentenced to 25 years for his role in the murder. The courts were actually unable to prove that he ever committed the murder. Okay. They would... Okay. They were never able to like say he's yeah. the one that right. pulled the trigger, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was found guilty of organizing and orchestrating the crime. Okay, so so they... some people are leaning on that he had accomplices that helped him with this, but they were never able to find anyone else associated with it, and they could never directly prove that he did it. And he never went back on his recant and said that he did it. No, he just said I did it. I didn't do it. Right. And that was the last thing he said yep. was I did not. In 2008, he was given a retrial, found guilty again. Just because? Yeah. Um, the Associated Press this had mentioned that in 2008 they were doing a retrial. Um, he was probably trying to get out of his 25 years. Well, yeah, they couldn't pin it on him. for. Yeah. Yeah. But he was found guilty of being an accomplice. Again. Found guilty. Yeah, he served the same sentence. He continued right. serving the same 25-year sentence. Oh, okay. So organizing and orchestrating it. Right. Um. I think it was the Rolling Stone went in and interviewed him also when he while he was in prison. Uh-huh. And the entire time, Christian was sitting in there talking about how he's having the second novel in the works. Um, he's like, I was like really close to finishing it, but the police took my only computer that had all my information on it. I'm oh, trying to get that back. My God. So he could be a serial. No, he, not a, a serial, but a dual. Yeah. It was called or is called Day Lyric, which lyrics basically, mm-hmm. translated to. Um, when the police confiscated his computer, they found notes related to that book um, that contained like the, one of the victims in the book um, being one of his ex-wife's new boyfriends. Uh-huh. So he was already like, he had notes on what this guy was like doing with his life. He, they said he was like a train conductor in this one city. He did this on his like off days. Wow. So the police were like, thinking that he was probably going to go for this other guy because his ex-wife was seeing. So this guy existed? Yeah. This is a a real guy that he was being targeted by Christian, allegedly. Um, So yeah, shorter story. Um, Christian is still in prison for the next, it's been 12 years now, so the next 13 years. Wow. Serving a sentence for... Allegedly killing man. You have no idea how old he was when he did all this? Um, right now, I think he is 35. Got it. Doesn't say his birthday. He was born in 1973. Doesn't say his month. Nope. Just not 19- a year ago? No, it does not say this is born 1973. Huh. Oh, wow. It was a quick... Quick one, but uh, it's it's interesting though. Yeah, and researching this, I found a lot of um, authors who thought they were smart in saying, "Look at my character killed a person in this fashion." 
Oh, I actually killed a person in this fashion? I didn't mean to do that. What? Like a lot, there are a lot of authors of that actually had killed people and then wrote seriously characters that this is a common thing. Apparently, yeah. People who publish books about their own crimes. Yeah. Are they stupid? I think that by they obfuscated enough by like saying this person did it to like a woman versus doing it to a man, and there's Whoa, differences I didn't know there. That was a thing. I've never heard of that. Yeah, people aren't you know smart. You know, you go to a like. A bar and brag about killing somebody or go to your... Tell your stepbrother. Yeah. Right. I killed a man. Man, I, I liked it. And then... And then... Oops, you're in prison. Soon you have a Katy Perry song. Yeah. I killed a man and I liked it. All right. Um, We got through this without any uh, cat interruptions. Yeah, it's kind of strange. I wonder if she's okay. <laughs> Want to hear about a crazy thing someone said? Yeah. Okay, well, it's it wasn't exactly verbal. I... You, you, did you read their body language or something? When you're like, this is what they were meaning to say. No, so. no. This is um, an inter- uh, something I saw. Somebody showed me a post online. This, okay. was, this was a post online. All right. So, th- I guess. I'm not, this is not like an internet sensational post where I saw it on BuzzFeed. This was like something that one of my employees showed me that their like friend from high school posted. Okay. So, it's one level of separation. All right. So, moving forward, we're going to do either... What do they call that? Primary source. Like, mm-hmm. I I overheard it, or one degree of separation. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. I didn't hear anything super wacky this week, personally. And I think we should keep it to one degree of separation. I don't want, like, I saw it on BuzzFeed. I was going to say, because for those of you that follow IFLS or I Fucking Love Science... Uh, post on facebook yesterday i think it was about a chinese woman i believe it was in china that injected fruit juice into her veins to give herself a health boost (laughs) yeah that's like strange things folks that are for sure but i don't want it to be like i personally don't want to be it to be like that okay that work for you that way in the future also we can maybe pull from our audience if people have crazy things that they overhear so this is one degree of separation. So an employee of mine shows me this Instagram post of his friend from high school. Okay. It's a picture of this kid snowboarding, right? Rad. Rad. It's a really nice picture, actually. It's, like, really sunny, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the caption... <laughs> uh, the caption says... Snowboarding is better than waterboarding. Do you mean wakeboarding? Yeah, for sure he meant wakeboarding. <laughs> and I said, I, first of all, I died. <laughs> Were there any comments on this, this post about that or no? <laughs> I think my employee then messaged him on Instagram and got him to change it. Didn't want to like publicly. It was clearly not a joke because he had like snowflakes and mm, like snowflakes, like the oh. emoji. Mm. Yeah, and I'm like, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, what he is saying is technically correct. Yeah, snowboarding. I I've never done either, but I assume snowboarding is better than waterboarding. And it, like the way that this came about was he, he my employee wasn't just like hey, look at this, he was like, I just walk into the room and he goes, "What's waterboarding?" And I was just like, "Where's this going?" I was like, "That is not what I expect someone to ask me at work." And I was like, "Um." It's a form of torture? And he's like, okay, good, because I wanted to make sure. And then he showed me the post. I was like, I want to make sure before I message this kid, like, your caption is dumb. It was really good. It's dumb, but 
100% correct. It is 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone would choose snowboarding. But I thought that was an interesting. That was a it's a real strange thing. (laughs) Yes, it is. Even that, what is waterboarding thing, I guess, is strange things. Folks utter. What is waterboarding? Yeah, that's true. I walked into a room and the first thing you hear is, what is waterboarding? That is, yeah, that was a strange thing for sure. Yeah, good point. Good point. All right, so. That'll do it for this week. Yeah, wraps up episode two. Three. Three. (laughs) Keeping that in. Oh, good. Yep. That wraps up episode three. If you haven't already, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Sad Tales Podcast. And we would love it if you would give us a review on iTunes also. And hopefully by, I don't know, episode 10, real lofty goals, we will also be on Spotify, maybe. No, yeah, I think we'll be easily by then. But... We need your help, so if you have someone... Tell your friends, family. Tell your kids, tell your wife. Scream it out on the streets if you really want. Yeah, for sure. Roll your windows down in the car and listen to it. People will catch on. And... Yeah. We'll be back with you in uh, a week. All right.